We'd like to thank those who download these talks as podcasts from iTunes, invite their comments, correspondence, and feedback by emailing us at utahchristians at gmail.com. We also have a membership class at our website, utahchristians.org. I'd like to thank those that have taken the membership class, become members. We couldn't do what we do without your help and support. Everything is inspired by the teachings of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who is the founder and chair of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. We decided to talk today on the topic of when a door slams in your face. Now there's a difference between when a door slams in your face and when a door is just closed. When it's closed, you have no expectations. But a door that slammed in your face was open and you thought you could go through it to a whole new world of opportunities, but then it slammed in your face. And so there's the element of disappointment, frustration of your expectations. We all have things happen to us that we don't understand. Why did this friend betray me? This company lay me off after 20 years. Why didn't I get that promotion? Why weren't my prayers answered? We're here today to tell you that God's plans are never for evil, they're always for good. But that doesn't mean that we won't have doors slammed in our faces. That doesn't mean that we won't have frustrated expectations. Doesn't mean that we won't have negative situations. But what it does mean is that everything that we endure with a good attitude, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, and a smile on our face will move us towards the fulfillment of God's plan for our life. This is a quote, I'll share it with you. The life of material existence is just like hard wood, and if we carve Krishna or God out of it, that will be the success of our life. Unfair things happen to you. Someone stole your wallet. Your wife left you. A co-worker talked badly about you. A bully called you names. That still doesn't mean that that can't be a part of Krishna's ultimate plan for your life. Just as Krishna or God uses promotion, uses breakthroughs, uses good connections, uses encouragement, loyal friends, we're here tonight to tell you that he also uses disappointments slam doors, sickness, betrayals, persecution. In 1975, I was the president of the San Francisco Bay Area Krishna Temple. We had 125 devotees. We had purchased a beautiful former Mormon church there. In addition, we bought a 150-acre farm in Mendocino County. We had a Rathiatra in Golden Gate Park every year, and it had been very minimally attended previously. But during the three years we were there, we built it up to a 20,000 attendee event. And the last year I was there in 1977, on Monday morning, the San Francisco Chronicle featured a front page article, 20,000 people, brave, blustery weather. It's always blustery weather in Golden Gate Park, nothing new there, to attend Hare Krishna Festival. So I thought, it doesn't get any better than this is my mission in life, the Bay Area successful temple, a lot of devotees, land, real estate, we distributed almost a million dollars worth of Bhagavad Gita's during that year I was there. But then someone was sent, someone named Hansa Duda put over me in charge. We didn't get along, he didn't want me to stay, and I was leveraged out of the position. I couldn't think at the time what Krishna's plan was in all of this. Things had been going so well, I was committed there the rest of my life. What's the meaning of this? What's the purpose? 
But I'm standing here before you today to tell you I'm no longer disappointed. <laughs> I now know that Krishna had much better things in mind, although at the time it just didn't make sense to me. He uses negative things in order to get us to where we want to go. So that betrayal, that setback, that wasn't the ending. That was just one chapter. The ending, the last chapter, will be a chapter of victory. Nothing happens to me. Everything happens for me. That person who hurt you, God in his omnipotency could have stopped it. But since he didn't, I have to accept that disappointment. I have to accept that betrayal. I have to accept that bad break. I may not like it. It may be confusing. It may be painful right now. But I know that ultimately if I keep the right attitude, it's going to work not against me, but it's going to work for me. The key is to stay on the high road. When one door closes, Krishna will always open a bigger and better door. All you have to do is pass the test and let Krishna take you to another level of your destiny. Lose your job, you're not going to go around with a chip on your shoulder. Someone lies about you, you're not going to go and pay them back because you know nothing can happen without God's permission. What was meant for my harm, Krishna will use to my advantage. And when you know this truth, that your life is divinely orchestrated, it will take all the pressure off. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. If you're familiar with the Ramayana, the next day the eldest son of Dasarath, Rama, was anointed to take the throne. He was to be coronated and become the king of Ayodhya, which was the capital city of the known world at that time. He would have retainers, he would have bodyguards, live in the palace, sleep in silken sheets. People would bow before him and carry out his every wish. And yet during the night there was a palace conspiracy headed up by the king's younger wife, Kaikei, so that instead of ascending on the throne the morning of his coronation, he found himself divested, stripped of all privilege, of all opulence, and on the road for 14 years into the exile. Now Ram, if he were a lesser man, could have easily moaned and groaned and said, how could this happen? I'm righteous. I'm upright. I've never, even in my thoughts, done anything wrong. This is not fair. Now here's an interesting point. Ram is an avatar of Krishna. Ram is the same as Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Before Ram descended to the earth, he took one of his most confidential servitors aside and he told her, I need you to do something really tough. I need you to do something which will earn you the scorn of people for ages to come. And I'm choosing you because I think amongst all my devotees, you're the one most up to the task. I need you to betray me. Why? Because if I ascend to the throne in the normal course of things, I'll be stuck in Ayodhya in northeast India while the terrible Ravana rules the forests in the south. And his cannibalistic hordes kill and maim all the pious Brahmins doing sacrifices there. It's your mission to leverage me out of the kingship 
push me southward into exile so that it will be inevitable. Ravan and I will clash. It says in the Bhagavad Gita that the reason God descends is not to live a comfortable life in the palace. The reason he descends is paritanaya sadhanam, to protect the righteous and pious. And in order to do that, vinasya tadushkritam, to destroy the impious, like Ravan and his Rakshasa race. The person who betrayed Ram played a critical role in the fulfillment of his destiny. Kaikei was used to get Ram to his place of blessing. And had it not been for her coming against him, he would have stayed in his boat and missed the fullness of what was in store for him. Similarly, we're all here. This temple's here. You're here. Because our spiritual master, he had four betrayals. Two before he came and two after he arrived. The first betrayal was from his wife of many years, the mother of his five sons. He knew he wanted to take sannyas and go preach in the western countries. He had been ordered by his spiritual master, but he was reluctant to leave his wife. The sons were all grown up and earning and educated and everything, but still, he was reluctant to leave his wife. She was a pious person, a religious person, but she had no sympathy for Prabhupada's missionary spirit, for sharing the gospel of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So one day Prabhupada came back from preaching and distributing back to God and he found that his set of scriptures, the Srimad Bhagavatam, were no longer on the shelf. He said, what happened to my scriptures? He said, I sold them to buy tea biscuits. And Prabhupada sort of just threw off the comment, well, you need to decide, tea or me? And she flippantly said, tea. So then he thought, okay, that's my sign. That's it. That, that cut the last thread. Then he went into semi-retirement, printed and distributed books, met the right people, and arranged for his passage to America. Prior to that, he tried to establish a center in a medium-sized city in India called Jhansi. A rich man had given him a compound there. He held meetings. He observed the festivals, Diwali and Janmashtami. He actually had one initiated disciple. He spent four years there. Things were getting some traction. The community was getting excited. There was more and more participation at the festivals. More and more people were coming to his classes. When the rich man's wife convinced him to take back the property and give it to her friend to start a sewing factory. Prabhupada remembers thinking at the time, Krishna, I had so little. Why did you take that away? That was the second betrayal. Then after he arrived in America, he saw a great opportunity. He saw that Americans are mad after Indian culture. So he wrote to the members of his own missionary society, the Gaudiya Moth, asking for some financial help, some instruments, maybe one or two brahmacharis could come and help. He didn't get any response whatsoever. They just wrote him off as a 70-year-old Don Quixote chasing windmills, so he'll never be successful. He's too old. He doesn't have the money. He doesn't have the connections. Third betrayal. Then, not getting any support from the India side, he was just living from pillar to post, going to wherever he could stay for a night or two. Staying in a studio loft in the bower with a young boy named David. And David was a nice enough fellow, but remember this is the age of LSD. So David had gone out one evening and taken LSD and came back in a maddened state. He was chasing Prabhupada around the apartment in a threatening mood. Prabhupada went down the stairs, spewed out into the street in the Bowery, which at that time 
was the most dangerous place in the world. More crime, more homicide, more drug abuse, more homeless people. He didn't know where to go right or left. He didn't have $5 to his name. Then he remembered one of the Bohemian musicians named Michael Grant, who had been attending his chanting sessions in the park. He remembered his address, made his way, knocked on the door, explained to Michael Grant what his situation was, and Michael Grant said, Swamiji, enough is enough. We've enriched our lives from your teachings, elevated ourselves. Many of us have given up bad habits, which might have been the death of us. It's time we did something back for you. So the next day, Michael Grant and some of the other friends went out. They found a little storefront place for rent in Lower East Side, Manhattan, with an apartment across the courtyard up on the third floor. That became the first temple of the International Society for Krishna consciousness. But what's our point? Had it not been for those four betrayals, we would not be here. There would not be 820 centers of the International Society of Krishna consciousness. There would not have been three billion books of transcendental literature distributed in practically every language worldwide. Those betrayals did not set Prabhupada back. They set him up. And we have to also recognize that within our own lives, without betrayals, we could very well miss the amazing future that God has in store for us. We may not like them, but Krishna may use them to get us to where he wants us to go. The people who stabbed us in the back, who talked about us, they weren't bad people, but they were closing doors. They were slamming doors in our face according to God's plan so that bigger and better doors would open up in the future. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Anytime that we go to a new level, we have to go also to a new level of obedience. We have to shake off the wrongs, keep a good attitude. We have to believe that our future is going to always be better than the past. Even though our mind may be telling us it's never going to work out, deep down we have to feel that my life is divinely orchestrated. It's not happening to me, it's happening for me. That person who wouldn't call you back, the friend who ignored you, the co-worker who betrayed you, don't sit around in self-pity, shake the dust off your feet and move forward in your life. A setback is a setup for a comeback. If Krishna wanted you to marry that person that left you, he would have arranged it. If he wanted you to have that promotion, you'd have that promotion. If he wanted you to have that job, you'd have that job. So quit sulking. Krishna has something better in store. That rejection is going to lead to God's promotion. It looked like a setback, but really it was a setup for Krishna to do something amazing in your life. You may not be able to see or understand it now, but one day you will. The life and work of William Carlos Williams illustrates this principle. I don't know if you know this, but Williams was both a great poet as well as a respected pediatrician. When he was in his 60s, he suffered a stroke that impaired his motor abilities but left his intellect intact. He gave up medicine, which was a loss that threw him into a deep depression. It took hospitalization and several years for him to recover from the trauma. However, the interesting thing is that after his recovery, he experienced a 
torrent of creativity. When he was 79, he published Pictures from Bruegel, which was awarded a Pulitzer Prize. In his later life, Williams wrote of an old age that adds as it takes away. I heard about a preacher. He was traveling on a small plane that carried about six other assistants. and There was one seat on either side of the aisle. After the plane took off, all of his friends pulled down their tray tables, got out their laptops, and started working. So the preacher, he also started to pull out what he thought was the tray table. But it stuck. It wouldn't come. So he yanked it, he pulled it, he jerked it, he jimmied it. A couple other people came up from the back of the plane. And so they had three or four guys like struggling to try to get this tray table to come down. And then somebody looked up and saw a sign above the tray table. Emergency exit. Do not pull. <laughs> the preacher said, Thank you, Lord, for not answering that particular prayer. <laughs> so what do we learn from this? Don't let yourself get upset because a friend betrayed you. Don't be bitter because your prayers didn't get answered the way you wanted. Don't have a chip on your shoulder because you got let go from work. God would not have allowed that unless he was going to use it for your advantage. Here it is said, Krishna has our best interests at heart. How many times we're frustrated because it's not happening our way on our timetable. And Krishna's up there with a big smile on his face saying, if you only knew what you were asking for. I love you way too much to answer those prayers. When you know that your life is divinely orchestrated, you don't get frustrated and you don't try to force things to happen. You trust Krishna to do it in his own way in his own time. You don't get upset when something goes wrong. You know that God can use even your betrayers to keep you moving forward. Here it is said, unalloyed devotees who have no desire other than to serve the Lord, worship him in full surrender and always hear and chant about his activities, which are most wonderful and auspicious. Such devotees never ask the Lord for any benediction. So don't complain about your enemies. Krishna can use your enemies to keep you going further than you would have had those enemies not shown up in the first place. Sometimes your enemies do more to catapult you to success than your well-wishing friends. When Ram returned after 14 years of exile and having fulfilled his mission to destroy the evil Ravana and his hordes of cannibalistic followers, do you know who the first person he went up to and touched her feet? Can anybody guess? It was Kaikei, the very person who had betrayed him. And if you study, we have the Krishna book downstairs, which highlights all the activities of the Supreme Personality of God as they were exhibited 5,300 years ago when he descended here. You'll notice a common strain. He rewards his enemies. Those who come against him, he rewards them. Sisupal, Agasura, Kalia, Haranyakashipu, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on. What's our message? Quit asking why. We will never understand God's infinite wisdom. I can't explain every bad thing that's happened, but I'm okay with this. And I can tell you 
that no matter what happens, Krishna or God is still on the throne. He still has a great plan for your life and what was meant for your harm, he knows how to use it to your advantage. All we have to do is do our part and shake off self-pity, shake off blame, shake off discouragement, shake off disappointment. Know this, that no enemy is powerful enough to keep you from your destiny. The Lord of the universe will not only bring you through the trouble, but he'll bring you out better than you were before if you stay in faith. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Don't fight it when doors slam in your face. It just means that God is directing your steps. Learn to flow with it. Normally, we thank God for open doors. We thank him for connections. We thank him for opportunities. We thank him for promotions. But we need to also learn to thank him when doors are slammed into our face, when we're pushed out at the office, betrayed by a coworker, passed over for a promotion. Of the five Pandavas we learn in the Mahabharata, they also had to endure a time of exile. They went into the forest for 13 years. Arjuna was the most powerful. He was the most manly. He was the greatest warrior of the time. He was legendary. Foreseeing that they would eventually have to do battle with their cousins, Arjuna accepted an invitation from his father, Indra, the lord of the heavenly planets, to spend one year of the 13 years of exile living in the palace of Indra. Now there was a heavenly apsara there named Orvasi who took a fancy to Arjuna. So she appeared at his chambers late at night suggesting that they spend the night together. But Arjuna had learned something about Arvasi because on the heavenly planets their lifespans are much longer than ours. On the heavenly planets what is six months for us is just one day for them. When she came and proposed a connection Arjuna said you're beautiful, you're gorgeous. I would under any of the other circumstances, but you're actually my great-great-great-great-grandmother. Well, you can imagine that was just exactly what a woman in the throes of lust wanted to hear. So what she did was, she said, you won't join with me? Then I curse you to become a eunuch for one year. But what could be worse? This warrior with massive arms and shoulders and with a deep veritone voice and when he walked like shook the earth like the steps of an elephant now he's like hi everybody my name is arjuna how are you <laughs> he had to endure that for one year it seemed like what could be worse and yet the 13th year of their exile the Pandavas had to be incognito. If they were recognized by their men, they'd have to go into exile another 13 years. So the timing was perfect. Arjuna entered the palace of Virata as a eunuch. And the eunuchs stayed behind closed doors. They never came out in the public. They stayed with the harem. And he taught Virata's daughter dancing. And never came out into the light of day so that nobody could recognize his physical form. And after one year, when their exile was over and they uh, complied with all the conditions of Ignonito, then he reverted back to his warrior form. What Orvasi meant for his harm actually turned out to be for his good. 
And what was the key? Arjuna stayed in faith. He didn't get bitter. He didn't get resentful. He didn't get stuck in the past. He said, Krishna, I trust you. I'm in your hands. You know what's best for me. I may not understand this, but I believe that you know what's best for me and that this is part of your plan. I'm going to relax. I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to let go. I'm going to get a fresh vision knowing that you promise that all things will work for good. When you have faith like that, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, that will allow God to enter into your life and do amazing things. One last story. In the early 1900s in Alabama, a bug emigrated for the first time from South America. Up until then, for the better part of a hundred years, the whole economy of Alabama and several neighboring states was what? Cotton. cotton. King cotton. But the boll weevil appeared in the early 1900s and ate the cotton, destroyed the cotton. So all these cotton farmers sat around. Disaster. It's the end of our way of life. What are we going to do? How are we going to pay for equipment? How will we pay for supporting our families? And one of the cotton farmers said, I have an idea. What? Peanuts. Peanuts? Peanuts? You want to replace cotton with peanuts? Are you out of your mind? Give it a try. They gave it a try. Turned out the bull weevil didn't like peanuts. Peanuts grew. Peanuts brought the economy of Alabama, Georgia, and all those other states back up. Peanuts generated more profits than cotton ever had. They never looked back. Sometimes bull weevils are sent into your life. Sometimes bull weevils are used by God to take us to new seasons, to show us new things that Krishna wants to do in our lives. Some of you might be dealing with some bull weevils right now. Bull weevils at the office. Bull weevils at home. Our message is to stay in faith. Peanuts are headed your way. That setback is really a setup. The bull weevil looks like it's there to destroy you, but God allowed the bull weevil so that he could take you to a whole new level. That stumbling block became a stepping stone. Krishna lined up the right opponents, slammed the right doors. One day you'll look back and know what God was doing. But today we're asking you to trust Him to have your best interests at heart. To trust Him to take you where you need to go. To trust Him that when one door slams, a better one will open elsewhere. Trust Him that persecution has a purpose. If you will trust Him in all circumstances and throw off the negatives, you'll discover that nothing in life happened to you. Everything happened for you. You will overcome every obstacle. You will step over every enemy. You will accomplish every God-given dream in this life and in the next life, you'll go back home, back to Godhead. Thank you very much for your kind attention. And if you receive this message, please repeat after me. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Krishna Krishna. Hare Hare. Hare Rama. Hare Rama. Rama Rama. Hare Hare.